Today's podcast is brought to you by my number one choice in tires, Pirelli. And since I used to be a race car driver, I know a thing or two about tires. The iconic tire brand is known for its long tradition of innovation, advanced technologies, and high-quality products. Pirelli recently added the new Scorpion All-Season Plus 3 to its American range. Developed to go the distance, it comes with a 70,000-mile treadwear warranty. Choose more mileage, more comfort, more control with the new Scorpion All-Season Plus 3. Ask your local dealer for a tune-up. Trust me, I'm a driver. It's the blood composition that controls the genes. Well, then who or what controls the chemistry of the blood? I go, the brain. Whatever picture you have in your mind, the brain will translate that into complementary chemistry and then release it in the blood, and then your cells will conform to the picture in your mind. If I have a picture of love in my mind, I release wonderful chemistry into the blood, dopamine, pleasure. That's why we always fall in love. It feels so good. And most importantly, when you're in love, you release what's called growth hormone. People in love glow. They're healthy. They're vital. They're vibrant. Fear causes stress chemistry. Stress chemistry shuts down growth. Less than 1% of diseases even connected to genes. You can come with a normal gene, but with a picture that's skewed, you can alter the readout of the gene and make cancer. 90% of cancer is not even genetically connected in the family. Hello, welcome to the Pretty Intense Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, You're in for a real treat today. I've been wanting to get this guy on the show for a long time. I have interviewed all of his friends uh, Joe Dispenza, Greg Braden, Nassim Haramein, um, and he was like the final piece to this puzzle of guys that are just thinking outside the box and really educating us on what is possible um, based on quantum physics and the science around biology that goes beyond the quantifiable and into the quantum and the epi, which is just above. And so today's guest is Bruce Lipton. He's a doctor. He originally was studying stem cells and based on his discoveries while studying stem cells and how they interacted with their environment and that changed the expression, which is the epigenetics of the of the genes, not meaning that the genes change. It's just the expression, the ones the ones used, the ones active. It's just completely reforming our idea of what is possible and how it's possible. It was just as enlightening as I imagined it to be. Uh, If you don't leave listening to this interview with Bruce with two parts, it's of the same whole though, don't forget, is you're going to leave empowered, but you're also going to leave with a level of accountability that might be new to you. So just know that there's an empowering message here, but we're in control. And, uh, and I think that's the, that's the exciting thing about this conversation. So please enjoy if you like this podcast and um, you're enjoying what you hear and you're fascinated. This is the kind of stuff I'm super into. So you'll get more of them. Um, Please hit subscribe. Also, I'd love to hear what you have to say in the comments about this episode and I'll be reading them. So enjoy. Seriously, I've been wanting you on the show for so long. I feel like, you know, I've interviewed many of your, um, what did I call you? Like uh, the three amigos, like the you three amigos, and Greg yeah. and Joe. Yeah. And then I just spent a week with Nassim. I don't know if you know Nassim. I know him very well, of course. 
So I feel like you're like the final piece of the puzzle. And I've just been waiting for this day. And then when the link didn't work, I was like, maybe the universe no, does not no. want me to talk to Bruce. I sat here saying, I'll just wait. It's going to work. And here <laughs> we are. So thank you again. And I, I so appreciate it because um, you have a wonderful audience out there. Uh, and the idea, I appreciate it because I think we have wonderful, positive things to offer them. Yeah. Uh, and it, it makes my life so much easier to have, oh, there's an audience there. How'd that happen? Cool. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, and we well, can talk about virtually anything. Good. I love that. I love that you're up for it. And I think you're right, though. There is a really important conversation to be had. One of the really big things that I want to accomplish with this show is to, to wake people up to their potential, to what can really be within their life and manifested in their health and in their reality. And you, my friend, are like my godfather for epigenetics. <laughs> and I was just having a conversation with somebody the, the other day, and they were talking about genetics and how it can change. They're like, no, actually, it's just the gene expression. I'm like, epigenetics. So it's still your same genes. And so I think this is an important conversation to have because there's a lot of confusion, but also so much potential for what this could mean within your reality. So I think maybe starting off by explaining the relationship between thoughts and your reality. That we can do. You just want me to just go and I will go. Well, I have seen that before. Um, <laughs> I feel nothing you say falls on deaf ears. It's also important. So whatever you feel, go for it. I also have a dozen topics I'd like to cover, but, um, but just starting there, like explaining that relationship between the two thoughts and reality. All right. Um, Let's go back to understanding how come we're in a problem today in regard to we feel like we're victims of our heredity. And I go, what does that mean? I say, well, we've been programmed that the, the genes provide the character of our life. And I say, well, as far as you know, did you pick the genes that you have? And the answer is no. Uh, if you don't like the character, can you change the genes? No. Uh, and then we tell you the genes turn on and off by themselves, which then all of a sudden really makes you a victim of your heredity. Oh my God, there's cancer running in my family, heart disease or diabetes. And, and, and then what does a person take home with that message and says, oh my God, I got the gene. And then their visualization process sees them like, oh, I'm going to have this problem. Well, of course, that's what I was teaching in medical school for years. And then I, I was um, back I hate to say this because it's dating me in the last century, uh, back in uh, you know, 1960s, late 60s. Yes, I'm that old. Back in the 60s, uh, I was growing what are called stem cells in tissue culture, and stem cells are embryonic cells. Mm -hmm. And all of us have stem cells. If you're out there and listening to this program, you have stem cells for a very important reason. A body is not a single entity. It's made out of 50 trillion cells but every day we lose hundreds of billions hundred i mean these are numbers that are it's easy to say 100 billion i say start to count to 100 billion it takes you a year or two to get there uh and i guess so hundreds of billions of cells die every day that's natural the issue is well how long can you live if hundreds of billions are dying every day and the answer is well every day we make new hundreds of billions of cells. And I say, from where? And I say, stem cells. And I say, what are they? Embryonic cells. Why don't I call them embryonic cells? Well, after you were born, you're no longer the embryo. We changed the name, same cell though. So 
I put these, I have these multi-potential cells. I put one cell in a Petri dish by itself and it divides every 10 or 12 hours. So first there's one and two, four, eight, 16, doubling. At the end of a week, 30,000 cells in the Petri dish. Most important point, they all came from the same parent. So I have 30,000 genetically identical cells. I split them into three Petri dishes. And so 10,000 in each, but all dishes genetically identical. And I then grow cells in what is called culture medium. And this is the secret. <laughs> I said, what is culture medium? I said, it's a laboratory version of blood. Cells grow in blood. <laughs> and I go, okay, so when I grow human cells, I say, what's human blood made out of? And I make culture medium in a lab. But since I make culture medium, I can change some of the composition. So I make three different versions of culture medium, but three plates of identically genetical, you know, genetic cells. And uh, in culture medium A, environment A, the cells form muscle. In another dish, genetically identical cells, but a different environment B, different culture medium, they form bone. And in a third Petri dish, again, genetically identical cells, but different environment, the cells form fat cells. So I say, well, what controls the fate of the cells? The answer is they were all genetically identical. The only thing that was different was the chemistry of the culture medium. And all of a sudden, this leads to a whole new science. Genetics is the science of genes control a disease or genes control a character. Mm -hmm. This new science, and this is really critical, is called epigenetics. And I say, well, what is epi? Well, epi means above. So we call skin epidermis, which means above the dermis. That's where the skin is. So I say, what is epigenetic control? That means control above the genes. I go, what do you mean? I thought genes turn on and off by themselves. I go, no, genes are blueprints. They're blueprints to make the proteins of the body, 100,000 different, like Lego parts, uh, 100,000 different pieces. You assemble some, it's a muscle cell. You take some of those proteins, assemble it, it's a brain cell. Uh, so I have 100,000 different proteins, okay? And the genes are blueprints. And I say, well, what's the relevance? And simple point is this. You go into an architect's office and she's working on a blueprint. Uh, ask her, hey, is your blueprint on or off? And she was looking at you go, it's a blueprint. There's one on and off. It's a blueprint. I go, precisely. Genes are blueprints. They cannot turn on and off. But an architect can read the blueprints and adjust the blueprints. And I go, well, what's the architect that controls my genes? Well, here's the story. And we'll connect it very quickly. And that is this. I said I was putting blood you know, equivalent in a dish called culture medium and growing the cells. And the culture medium composition changed the fate of the cells. And then I go, when you look in the mirror and see yourself, I go, well, that's an illusion of a single entity because each of us is made out of about 50 trillion cells. We are, by definition, not a single entity. We are a community of 50 trillion cells. Those are the living entities. And I go, so what? I go, well, inside under your skin, you have the original culture medium blood and i go wait the blood chemistry controlled the fate of the cells i go yeah it does in a plastic dish but i say it does the same thing in the skin covered dish so all of a sudden now i say is it your genes that control your life and i go no it's the blood composition that controls the genes now we take it there's two steps now one step is well then who or what controls the chemistry of the blood i go the brain controls the chemistry of the blood mm -hmm. and then comes the big one Mm. So what chemistry should the brain be putting into the blood? And the answer is 
whatever picture you have in your mind, the brain will translate that into complementary chemistry and then release it in the blood, and then your cells will conform to the picture in your mind. Picture of health? Cool. Picture oh, of fear, disease? Not so cool. But the point about it was what? The genes had no decision-making in this. It has to do with what are you thinking? Mm. Consciousness is changing the chemistry, and the chemistry complements the consciousness. So if I have a picture of love in my mind, I release wonderful chemistry into the blood. Dopamine, pleasure. That's why we always fall in love. It feels so good. Mm. I, I say, what else? You really, oh, oxytocin. That bonds you to the loved one. And I say, what else? Vasopressin, a chemical a hormone that makes you more attractive so that your partner stays with you longer. And most importantly, when you're in love, you release what is called growth hormone. And growth hormone does exactly what it says. So I say, so what's the relevance of the chemical cocktail derived from love? And the answer is vital, very vital life. People in love glow. They're healthy. They're vital. They're vibrant. I go, is that what a coincidence? I say, no. It's the chemistry in the blood that is controlling the genetics and the behavior. Mm -hmm. I say, well, wait. So if I have a picture of fear, I say, do I release love chemistry? Go, no, no. <laughs> fear has its own chemistry. Stress hormones and things that regulate the immune system. So I say, so what? The picture I'm holding changes into chemistry. The chemistry then controls the genetics and the behavior. Fear causes stress chemistry. Stress chemistry shuts down growth, uh, and there's a reason. Let me give a reason why. The biggest issue on this planet, everyone says, where's all the illness coming from? Got healthcare crisis everywhere. I go, not from the genes. Less than 1%, less than 1% of diseases even connected to genes. Crazy. Well, then all of a sudden, so where the hell's all the disease coming from? I go. When I visited Egypt, I was introduced to an expert aromacologist who explained the healing powers of various scents. I returned home with 18 bottles of powerful essences that unlocked specific feelings and had all sorts of healing properties. I became inspired to find a functional way to deliver them in a new consumer lifestyle product. Candles became my medium. Voyant means seer, a reference to the inner eye chakra one of the key energy points in the body essential to wellness and healing. Voyant is a doorway to openness and imagination, a catalyst in our daily journey. Whether you're connecting with others or enjoying alone time, Voyant strives to beautify the home and the soul to create a haven of peace and joy. The candle is delivered with a beautiful monogram 12 ounce stemless wine glass, which can be used after the wax is gone. My limited edition candle collection is available exclusively at voyantbydanica.com. The consciousness of the individual is selecting the genes and as an architect can alter the readout of the genes. You can come with a normal gene, but with a picture that's skewed, you can alter the readout of the gene and make cancer. 90% of cancer is not even genetically connected in the family. You know, that's an, that's a hard thought for a lot of people because it, it, but it's an also extremely powerful one because it means that there's, you have control, but it's also a really hard one because it means you are the reason. And so accountability, I think is a, is the word that comes to mind with all of this.
I bring this up and then I say, well, we are creating this with our consciousness, what's going on. And then people go back over their life and they go, I created the cancer. I created the problem. And of course, the first thing in the mind is going to go, no, I don't want to take credit for that. Uh, mm. I'm a victim. Yeah. <laughs> and now I need to, to, and this is so critical. I'm glad you brought it up for this reason. What happened in the past was when you had no awareness of how things worked. Mm. And the significance of that is, um, yes, you were involved with your cancer, but you had no knowledge of any involvement. And I go, so why is this relevant? And the answer is this. Very important words you brought up, such as victim, guilt, shame, blame. I go, where do they come from? Well, those words, like uh, guilt. Guilt means I knew there was a right way to do something, but then I chose to not do it that way. Now I'm guilty. But if <laughs> I didn't know there was a right way to do it, then how the heck can I be guilty? Nobody told me. And all of a sudden, I go back and I say, without knowledge, your behavior in the past was based on not being aware. And therefore, the concept of blame and guilt, shame, victim, all that does not apply. It only applies to those people who knew there was a right way and then chose to do it a different way. That was the personal decision. I would be guilty if I knew I was doing something that was wrong and mm -hmm. continue to do it. So let's drop those words for the important reason. What happened in the past without any awareness, how can you be responsible for something right. you have no idea about? Right. Okay? But <laughs> starting today, now once we start talking about yeah. this, all of a sudden it says, well, wait a minute, you are creating this. And you're creating this with your consciousness. And this is, let me just back up because that's the biology, the epigenetics. Mind controls not just what genes are being activated, but mind can alter the blueprint. I can make 3,000 different proteins from the same blueprint just based on how I see the world. So all of a sudden it says, wow, we are very powerful. We're the architects and we can create health. We can also create disease because we're the creator of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now comes the, the, the big part, and that is this. To me, the most valid science on this planet is quantum physics. Quantum physics, uh, I say that because uh, back in 1927, when it was theoretical, they came up with a whole bunch of things, you know, Albert Einstein, Max Planck, Heisenberg, they came up with a theory of how everything worked. Well, it's nearly 100 years, and guess what? Almost all of their theories are totally accurate. So we have a deep, deep understanding of quantum physics. Consciousness is creating our life experience. Principle number one. It was back in 1927. Max Planck, founder, one of the founders, said, the mind is the matrix of all matter. That's where the movie The Matrix comes from. Yes. Oh, my God. I love that. I just have to share like I was reading this book called Awareness and I had an epiphany when I was reading it. And it's like, you can get these sort of messages like from the quantum field. And the, the sentence I got was the mind is the matrix. Well, and so basically what, what it's saying is the universe is made out of energy, but we shape it into a material expression based on consciousness. So mm -hmm. it says, as you change consciousness, you change your life experiences. I go, yeah, that's absolutely what's going on. But the relevance about all this is that that is the principle number one. And I say, why that is so important is you're not living in an accident. You're living in a manifestation of consciousness, okay? Uh, you're creating this. Well, a lot of people, as you just said, well, I wouldn't, have cre I wouldn't create this, you know? And I go, 
Yeah. Well, here is why it works. And it's not based on genetics. I mean, look, you're a, a, an idol in the sports world. You took your life and you created masterful consequences in, in your career from, from not just your driving, even from your wine. <laughs> uh, you, you are creating and manifesting all of this, okay? I say, oh, where'd you, where'd you get your driving skill? And you go, oh, like a lot of people say, well, there's something in a family like a child yeah. of a musician is a musician, a child of a race car driver becomes a race car driver. And you go, oh, there must be a gene for that. I go, hmm. no, it has nothing to do with it. It has to do with what is called programming. Mm -hmm. And programming is a very simple reason why. So let's give a reason so it's not just new age. The brain is a computer. It absolutely is the most advanced computer that humans would ever recognize. I go, but it has all the characteristics of a computer. Mm -hmm. I go, what is that? And I say, in the old days, you go buy a new computer and you take it home and you push start and it boots up. The screen lights up. And I go, oh, good, brand new computer. I say, let's do something. Let's make a drawing, a spreadsheet, write an essay. And you go, no, I can't do that. I say, you got a brand new computer. I say, not until I put programs into the computer can I use that computer. So that's when you download all the programs that give us the opportunity yeah. to use the computer. Word uh, and all the things. <laughs> programs in the hard drive. Yeah. Yeah. But the keyboard is how you put data into the computer. So the hard drive is the subconscious mind. It got programs in there. Mm -hmm. The conscious mind, which is about 10% of the brain right behind your forehead, is the creative mind. And I say, that's the one that types on the keyboard and puts in what it wants. That's how you create your life. Okay? So I say, well, first of all, where'd you get the programs? Mm -hmm. And the answer is this. When a child's born, uh, actually, before it's born, the brain computer, um, it, you know, it boots up. It's ready to go. But I need to put programs. I say, well, how do you get programs? I say, it's an infant. <laughs> I, I say, you can't give it a book. You can't bring it in a classroom. I say, ah, right. but the universe has created the first seven years of your life that your brain is not functioning at the higher vibrations called consciousness. It's just below consciousness it's called theta. In the heart of Napa Valley lays Somnium, which means to dream in Latin. The Somnium Vineyard Estate is an extension of the love and intensity that I pour into everything I do. To experience our wines, visit SomniumWine.com and use the code SOMNIUM to receive a $10 flat shipping rate. Please drink responsibly. Theta is imagination. That's mm -hmm. where <clears throat> oh, they pour nothing from the teapot into the cup and then they drink nothing and they say, that's the greatest tea I ever had. The mother says, give me the broom back and the kid's riding it because it's a horse. To that kid, that's, that's not a broom, it's a horse, okay? That's imagination. Theta is that character of mixing real world and imaginary. So that's seven years in the development of a child. But theta is hypnosis. Mm -hmm. So why is that relevant? I said, how are you going to learn thousands of programs to be a functional member of a family and a functional member of a community? I mean, just for example, how a dad would talk to you as a kid is not how your dad talks to the neighbor's kid. It's not how your dad talks to your mom. It's not how your dad talks to the neighbor's mom. It's not how the dad talks to the policeman. All of a sudden you say, oh my God, you got to have a lot of roles to play here. How, how can an infant get that? And the answer is, theta is not just imagination, it's hypnosis. Mm. So basically, a child just observes the parents and siblings and community and downloads like a video recorder the behavior. Let's say we put wires on your head and that's how they read your brain activity, okay? But 
there's all levels of activity by, and they refer to it as vibration, like how much vibration. The lowest vibration is delta, that's sleep. When you're in delta, the brain is idling like a car, just idling, it's not going anywhere, okay? But as you start to wake up, the vibration increases to a higher vibration, that's called theta. Mm-hmm. And theta is characterized as imagination, but hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And then just above theta is alpha, well, that mm-hmm. vibration, that higher vibration is actual consciousness. Mm-hmm. And then there's even a higher one called, and the next one's called beta, which mm-hmm. is like schoolroom thinking consciousness. And then you, for example, have even gone to a higher vibration called gamma. And mm-hmm. gamma is called peak performance. Mm-hmm. So there's all levels of vibration. Peak performance is like uh, a pilot flies a plane on beta, but lands a plane on gamma because it takes more okay you're in a you're driving your car and at some point you're you're not just a, 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 in beta high focus you're, you're in a high performance called gamma okay so there's all vibrations from the lowest sleep to mm-hmm. peak performance a child's vibration brain if you put the wires on their head and read their brain activity for the first seven years is primarily in theta Mm-hmm. which is mixing real world and imaginary world and mm-hmm. the tea party or the horse out of a broom and all that. But it's also hypnosis. And I go, the so relevance is this. How do you get your programs to be a member of the family and the community? And I said, just watch for seven years, whatever you observe, you download. Now, in your particular case, of course, uh, you know, your family weren't grocers. <laughs> Okay, you acquired an understanding of this whole process while you were an infant. Okay, Uh, and this sets your future. The first seven years of your program is what controls the rest of your life. People go, what do you mean? I go, the Jesuits have told people for 400 years, they said, Give me a child until it is seven, and I will show you the man. I said, what does that mean? It means whatever programs that occur in the first seven years during the download, 95% of your life is coming from those programs, okay? Well, all of a sudden, it says, hey, what were my programs? (laughs) Why? My life is controlled by them, okay? And I said, why? And here comes there's a reason. And I say, we say the mind, but there are two minds that uh, are interdependent. They work with each other, but they learn in different ways and they have different functions. So let's start with the, the latest evolution of the mind is right here behind your forehead. It's called the prefrontal cortex. That's the seat of consciousness. Consciousness is creativity. The conscious mind has your wishes, your desires, what you want out of your life. I say, tell me what you want from your life. And whatever answer you give me is coming from the creative wishes, desires, conscious mind. I go, great. I say, what's the other mind? I go, that's called the subconscious mind. I go, what's that? Programs. That's the hard drive. That's got the programs in it that you download it. Okay. So I say, fact that people don't understand. The conscious mind, yes, is creative. It can manifest all the wishes and desires you want. But the conscious, and this is it, the conscious mind can think. And you go, what the hell does that mean? The conscious mind can look out your eyes like you're driving a vehicle, your body's a vehicle, and you're looking out through the window (laughs) with your conscious mind, and you're driving according to what's going on, okay? But then I say, but the conscious mind can think. And you go, so? I go, thinking is not looking out. 
thinking is looking in. A thought is on the inside. So if you are thinking, you're redirecting your consciousness, not looking out and engaging in the world. You are turning your consciousness around, looking inside. I go, well, what if I'm driving the car? And I start thinking. And I go, subconsciousness, this is critical, is autopilot. Yeah. In other words, the moment conscious lets go of a function, driving the car, doing your job, talking to somebody, and your conscious mind starts thinking, the subconscious programs become autopilot, they take over. Yeah. So your life is not coming from your wishes and desires when you're thinking, it's coming from the existing programs. Yeah, uh, I could be driving the car, paying attention, then I could go into a thought, and I'm not paying attention. And, and the car's still okay. It's still driving. I didn't oh, kill yeah. anybody. Everything's really cool. I go, well, who the hell was driving the car when you were thinking? <laughs> Trust me, there were times where I was driving the car and I was not thinking about driving the car because the point of it was, as I always tell people, is like driving the car had to be second nature at that speed. You had to be okay going 200 miles an hour without thinking about it because you had to deal with traffic. You had to deal with how the car felt, what kind of changes you wanted. And so that had to become autopilot at 200 miles an hour. Absolutely, Amen. because the conscious mind is a very slow processor. So I would say, <laughs> what, what if I'm in the car driving and the car and the car goes out of control and I'm in my conscious mind? Well, then it would look like this. Oh, <laughs> because I'm too slow. I can't make a response. But what happens is the moment stress hormones come in, they shut off the conscious mind. And then the subconscious takes over. That's the supercomputer. And all of a sudden, you're steering and hitting the pedals and doing all that, you know, like faster than you can think. Yeah, so yeah actually, that's so good. They're, they, and a great example would be driving into the pits um, and you have to make a pit stop. And there's like 10 things that you have to do. It's like clutch, gear, turn, this, buttons, neutral, all kinds of different things. And I remember when people would ask about it, they're like, how do you do it? I'm like, actually, if I have to think about it, it's very confusing, but I naturally can do it. I just can't think about it. Habituation. You learn by doing it. And once you learn, it becomes a habit. Then you don't have to think about it. I mean, a lot, a lot of people say, well, that's subconscious with all the programs like the, you know, like the Jesuits were saying, control your life. For the average person, up to 60% of the downloaded programs they acquired in that first seven years are disempowering, mm -hmm. self-sabotaging, and limiting beliefs. And I say, then if you are switching to the subconscious 95% of the day, that's how much the subconscious drives the vehicle. Oh. And 95% of the day, am I advancing my life? I go, no, you're playing programs that you just sabotage your life. And then you go, but yeah. I would see it. And that's where they say, no, you won't. Because <laughs> your conscious mind's not paying attention when the subconscious mind is taking over. So the conscious mind has no awareness of the behavior that you just did while the subconscious mind was in, in, engaged, okay? Uh, I give the example, you have a friend, you know your friend's behavior very well, right. and you happen to know your friend's parent. And then one day you see your friend has the same behavior and you wanna, oh, you gotta tell you, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. <laughs> Back away from Bill, because I know exactly what Bill's gonna say. As soon as you say, I know what Bill's gonna say, he's gonna say, how can you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. The audience laugh and I say, you want to know that's the most profound story in the world? I go, what do you mean? I said, everybody else can see Bill's behavior. Who doesn't see it? Bill. Why? Why is that? Because he's thinking and the behavior is playing, and therefore he's not paying attention. Or 
no consciousness of it. There's no conscious. You're not using your, there's no awareness because there's no thinking involved. And the thinking is what creates the awareness. No, 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 no. It's the other, it's the other way around. Thinking is inside. Let me just ask you a simple question. Uh, what are you doing on Thursday? Uh, presumably it's not written in front of you right now. Okay. But I give you a minute and then you can tell me exactly what you're doing on Thursday. And so where, where the hell did you get that information? Oh, I thought about it. I go, well, then you went inside. <laughs> That's where thoughts are. I say, but the moment you went inside, you were not paying attention to what was going on outside. That's when the subconscious kicks in. So uh, not your driving, uh, pedestrian driving, uh, driving, they have somebody in the car and they get involved with a great discussion, blah, 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 blah. And then at some point they look out the window and they go, I haven't paid attention to the road for the last five minutes. Yeah. Uh, and now here comes the most important question. What were you talking about? Oh, we talked about this and this and this. What was on the road when you drove five minutes? I have no idea. I didn't see it. I wasn't there. Why? You focused. You were not looking out the window. You focused on the conversation. And I say this happens 95% of the day that our driving, our movement through life, whatever we're doing through life. I say, what did you do? And you go, I didn't see it. <laughs> I wasn't there. So how can we, if we are re if we're programming the subconscious, our yes. operating system yes. from the last trimester through the first seven years of yes. our life, do we install programming later in life? Are we Absolutely. able to actually, are we only correcting? What I'm kind of getting at is, can we install bad programming later? Absolutely. Okay. How you does learned. the bad programming? You, when did you learn how to drive? When did you learn how to drive? Not before seven, I presume. No, 10. Yeah. Okay. Ah, so there's a different way of learning. There's the learning for the first seven years, which is hypnosis, theta, mm -hmm. but there's learning after age seven by repetition, practice, okay. habituation, repeat something, repeat it. And the more you repeat it, the less you actually have to pay attention to it because now it's a program. You, when we were first getting in the car, when we were Young, oh, the mirrors, the dashboard, the gauges, the engine sound, the wind, what's going on? So much. Today, you get in the car, you put the key in, you don't pay attention to any of those details. They're automatic now. They're habits. So we acquire habits after age seven through a process of repetition. Now, the problem here is, well, you can have a good repetition, a good habit, or you're going to have a bad habit. Yeah. <laughs> you learn both either way. But when you once you have the habit, it's out of your consciousness. Mm -hmm. Once you have a habit, it's going to be automatic and it's going to run it because you're conscious 95% of the time is not even paying attention to what's going on outside. Mm -hmm. uh, and therefore, we are, as the Jesuit said, we're not creating the life we want. We're creating the life we got programmed to create. Right, right. Okay. Exactly. And unfortunately, in the world we live in, we become disempowered by programming. I say, why? Because people knew if I disempower you, then I'm more powerful than you. That's how people got more powerful. Did they get more powerful? I say, no, they were powerful already. You were powerful, but no, you were programmed not to be powerful. And so we are downloaded with programs of limitation that take away our power, except for those who don't go into that. What are those areas that deep that program us with disempowered, limiting beliefs? Like, what are those areas? I'll give you the biggest one. Oh, genes control my life. Oh, I am a victim of my genes. 
So whatever happens to me, had no, I had nothing to do with it. The genes, they go, bad program, because yeah. epigenetics is the new program that says, no, your consciousness is adjusting your genes. You want to change your life? Change your consciousness. The moment you change your consciousness, you can create a whole new life. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of alluding to like news, you know, television. Um, that's kind of what I'm alluding to. I'm, well, that, that's the programming. You know, think about it this way. You're driving down the street and there's this family having a wonderful picnic on the side of the road. And they're all loving and they're playing together and the family is wonderful. You go down the street. But as you go down the street, there's an accident on the other side of the road. Guess what? You will rubberneck and you will focus on that. See, you didn't focus on the good stuff. You focused on the scary stuff. Mm -hmm. Because we have a program that's called the biological imperative. It's built into every organism, from bacteria all the way up to humans. I say, what, what is that imperative? Mm -hmm. The drive to survive. Oh. A bacterium is built with a biological imperative. If you try and kill it, it's not going to go, oh, okay, kill me. No, the bacterium will do every maneuver possible to stay alive. So we are built to survive. Well, to be able to survive, you better be careful of the things that threaten you. So things that threaten you take more interest because I got to be, uh, these things could threaten me. So I look at the scary things. I didn't look at the good things. I'm okay with them. I got no problem with that. Mm -hmm. It's the things that scare me that I pay more attention to. And I go, Consciousness is creating your reality. If you put a picture of fear into your reality, then your biology behavior will manifest things to be afraid of. Because this is a, a short statement, but to me, it's the most powerful one. Simple and short. And it goes like this. The function of the mind is to create coherence between your beliefs and your reality. If I have a negative belief, the function of my mind is to manifest behavior to experience those negative realities. If I have positive beliefs, then the function of my mind is to manifest a positive experience. But we get programmed with so many negative beliefs, and that takes away our power because we're not focusing on the beautiful things. We're focusing on the fear. What are you afraid yeah. of? Yeah. So how can we create awareness for what we're not aware to? What kind of cues can we be looking for? What kind of situations in our life can we become more familiar with to give us this feedback, this feedback loop of our reality? Uh, absolutely. This, this is the part that all of a sudden I say, well, you got programmed. I say, when? From the last trimester of pregnancy through age seven. So I said, well, what program did you get before you were born? You go, I have no idea what that, that program is. Yeah. I said, what program did you get from zero to one? I go, I have no idea. My consciousness wasn't there. How about from one to two? No, I have no idea. So I say, most of the programs you got, you have no awareness of these programs. Yeah. I say, well, how will I know what the programs are yeah. now? Thank God I have an answer for you. And the answer help us, is Bruce, help us. 95% of your life is coming from the programs. Your life is a printout of your programs, okay? And I go, why is it relevant? I say, the things you like that come into your life that you love to do and all that, mm. they come in because you have programs to support those things, okay? But, and here's the one that's important, the things that you wish for, desire, want in your life, and you have to work hard, sweat over it. I'm putting a lot of effort in. I'm going to make yeah. it. I'm working. I'm working on it. And I go, why are you working so hard? The answer is beautiful because whatever that destination is, you don't have a program to support it. 
and you're trying to override a habit that doesn't give you what you want by putting more effort into it. And I go, good idea, not good process. Why? 95% of your life is coming from that program. Uh, and 5% from this little conscious mind up here cannot mathematically, if you think about it, the subconscious a million times more powerful programmer than the conscious mind. I say, mm. and you want to ride, override the subconscious? I go, boy, that's a bitch. That's not going to work very well. Uh, and yet there are ways to do it because if it didn't, this is going to be a lousy interview. But <laughs> there are ways to rewrite it. Uh, and the idea about it is if you understand the process, you can rewrite your life and change the outcome. You can change these programs sometimes in 15 minutes or less, okay? But you need to know how to do it, okay? Uh, the relevance about all this is um, uh, uh, the movie The Matrix. Uh, it's oh, science fiction. I go, no, no, no. Movie The Matrix is a documentary. What do you mean? I go, premise, everybody's been programmed. I go, oh, that's a given. <laughs> we are all programmed from last trimester to age seven. Everyone is. But in the movie, they say, well, you can take a red pill and get out of the program. And I want to suggest that most people in our audience right now that we have here today have taken the red pill at one time or another, and their life profoundly changed. I go, mm -hmm. when was that? One of the best examples is when people fall in love. I go, what do you mean? I go, well, their life is blah, 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 blah. They fall in love. They meet somebody 24 hours later. Oh, life is so beautiful. I'm so in love. I'm so happy. Look, I'm glowing. Look, I got growth hormone in my system. I'm a, I go, 24 hours later after blah, 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 all those years, and 24 hours later, you manifest heaven on earth? I go, how'd that happen? And the answer is beautiful. Because the answer is when you fall in love, you stop thinking. You stay present. It's called staying mindful. Mm -hmm. I go, what does that mean? I say, when you're thinking is when the subconscious autopilot kicks in. If you're not thinking, then the conscious creative mind is the one that's manifesting your life. So wow. I go, the moment you fell in love, why would you think? And the reason is this. You've been waiting for this person your whole life. They showed up. You want to think and disconnect from this? I go, no. You want to stay present. You want to be mindful. You want to be there. I go, you stop thinking. I say, what's the result? It's the red pill. The moment you stop thinking is you're not diverting to the subconscious anymore. You are operating from conscious wishes and desires. And so the honeymoon is not an accident. It's a manifestation that says, I'm not playing a program. Is that like being in the flow? Because, you know, when you think about someone who's an artist and they're creating a musician, a chef, um, a chef, a chef or, or in love, like you're in the flow, right? So you're yeah, just because like, you're. You're, you're not thinking. Yeah, you're not thinking. You're doing. And it doesn't mean there's not participation. It just means that you're not thinking of the future. You're kind of just, well, yeah, the time and space was, sort of change. Like you lose track of time. Yes. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Not thinking means not diverting to the subconscious, meaning you stay in conscious creativity. Yeah. Conscious creativity is wishes and desires. So a chef uh, is so involved with the cooking and paying attention to all the details, they're not thinking. And I say, well, what does that mean? They're not coming from program. They're coming mm -hmm. from creativity, okay? The artist, the chef, uh, the race car driver. Mm -hmm. okay, yeah. 
not thinking, man. Uh, you know, we're in it. <clears throat> we're going. I had a monk tell me I should write a book called The Speed of Consciousness. Well, that, that's it. Uh, and the subconscious is much faster than the conscious. And that's why in times of emergency, the conscious is too slow to help us. And that's why we jump to it. But then the problem is whatever behavior you're going to express while you're in that subconscious was a program that you had, a positive or a negative. Well, up to 60% of the programs that you downloaded are not positive. They're disempowering well, programs. Absolutely. So what is it if we can take consciousness a little further yeah what is it that what is consciousness i know this is like a we still don't have do we have an answer for that even like why is that why is that the the mystery and and what is that what allows us what allows us, what what is consciousness consciousness is the experience between a stimulus and a response i got a stimulus and I'm going to make a response, input, output, reflex, okay? Consciousness get in the middle. I say, I got the stimulus. I have a choice of responses. I can make different response. If I'm not conscious, then it's input, output. Just, you know, it's the machine going this way. So consciousness is the freedom to make uh, a, different, a different action. Instead of just going input, output, input, output. I got input. Let's think about it. Oh, I'd rather have a different output. Oh, well, then that's your choice all of a sudden. But if you are programmed, subconscious doesn't have thinking. It says stimulus, response, program. You're going to repeat this your whole life. You know, the, the subconscious isn't evil. Of course, everyone thinks that's where all hell comes from. But the subconscious got some great stuff in there. Like, sure. when did you learn how to walk? Oh, before two. How long can you walk? You could be 102. You're still walking. Same damn program you got when you were two years old. Okay, great program. But a negative program <laughs> will work that way for your whole life, but not give you the positive outcome. So uh, the subconscious is a repository of habits. And then you can subdivide those into habits that support who you are. And unfortunately, habits that undermine who you are. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where the difference is. And that's why I'm saying, so it's important first to know what your programs are. A lot of people want to go back in history and say, oh, yeah, this person did that. My mom did this. My dad, did, you know, and blah, 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 and cry. You know, that's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Why? That's killing the messenger over the message. What does that mean? I say, you learn something from that interaction. You carry the learning. You don't have to carry the interaction or the person anymore. You walked away with a program. So the idea is, can I, should I go back and review? And I go, why? You're just going to replay the same old program. It's going to make you more upset than before because you're going to replay the same experience. So I say, this is a beautiful part about changing your life. Don't go backwards. That's done. You walked away with a program. What's your program? 95% of your life. Now I can look at it and say, oh, I'm having a relationship program. I go, yeah, like in my particular case, I grew up in a family where my mother and father, I'm downloading their behavior. That's what kids do. And their relationship behavior is nothing that I would want. I didn't know it then. But for 40 years, I couldn't get a relationship off the ground. Why? Because 95% of my behavior was observing their action and then replaying it as me. Mm. And, and all of a sudden, there was no opportunity to get a relationship and that was any good because my program for relationships sucked. 
Well, I'm confused because my mom and dad have been married for like 40 years and I'm single. So I don't know what, I don't know what the problem is and I'm 40 years old. So, well, you're a kid, so don't worry about it. It <laughs> took me 50 years before I even figured out how to have a relationship, but I've done the last 30 of those years, essentially living heaven on earth. Why? Because once I understood the nature of it, I said, I don't want this behavior. I can see it. I'm paying attention. My life's not working. My relationships suck. I, I can't do go into this. that. I'm really curious about the relationship part of it. How did that shift for you? Like, what was the what was the what was the new program? <laughs> the first program, the, the program came to a head. Um, I, I was living in the Caribbean, teaching at a medical school, which meant I worked maybe two days a week at the most, which meant five days a week. I'm, I've got a beautiful villa. I got a, I'm on the coast. And I, I wonder mean, why you're living, single. I'm, I'm living. Perfect. You're living in heaven. I was living in heaven, except I, I need a partner. I need a mate. Yeah. I need somebody. I need. That was the problem. Mm. And I remember chatting up this woman who came in on a yacht and I thought, Hey, you're not doing anything. I got a nice villa. You could stay here for a while. And I was, you know, trying to use that line that I said, universe gave me the best line in the world. I, I got a villa. Come on, stay over here. Uh, uh, and I offered this line and she looked at me straight in the face and she said, I can't be with you. You're too needy. And it's sort of like, boom, slap me in the face, but it woke me up. Because mm. at a moment I was in shock, but I also then said, thank you. Because I walked away from that lunch and I said, you got more money in your pocket than you ever had. You live in the most beautiful place in the world. Your job is wonderful and you love it. I say, and you can't be happy with the things you got talking to myself. Yeah. I said, this is a turning point. I said, stop looking for somebody right now. To me, stop. Okay. If first, if, if you can't enjoy and appreciate all these positive things that you have, then you can't look for a mate at this time. And that's what I started to look at. And I started to let go. And I started to say, God, it's a beautiful day today. I think I'm going to go snorkeling today. Oh, it's a beautiful day. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make myself a wonderful meal. And I started getting into that. What was the point? I stopped the need to have somebody. I became self-satisfied with my life mm -hmm. that I didn't need anybody. Guess what? The moment I didn't need anybody, people were showing up all over the place. No, no, it's okay. I don't need anybody. Thank you very much. I'm okay over here. I'm great. Uh, and, and this is how, how it really worked out. And, and let me give you a fact. Um, we can test beliefs, okay? Uh, and it's called muscle testing. You go, what the hell is that? I go, <laughs> You have a conscious creative mind. You have a subconscious habit mind. The subconscious mind, the big powerful one, is the one that controls muscles, okay? And then I say, so what is muscle testing? I say, here's the point. You make a statement with the conscious mind. And if it agrees with the program in the subconscious mind, then both minds are in harmony and your muscles are strong. But if I make a statement in my conscious mind and my subconscious mind goes through all the data and goes, that's, a, we don't, that's not part of us. Then there's a disconnect between the two minds. And that causes a weakening of the muscle because the disharmony between subconscious mm -hmm. and conscious affects the harmony of the subconscious control of muscle. Then the muscles go weak. So you can identify a program by making a statement and then identifying whether the subconscious agrees. But if my muscles stay strong, I, I got no problem with it. 
If I make a statement and my subconscious mind doesn't agree, my muscles go weak. And then all of a sudden I say, oh, that program is not true at this mm -hmm. time. So interesting point, just to bring it up, 80 to 90% of every audience that I got involved with, with you know, working with um, belief change programs, 80 to 90% of every audience will not test positive for I love myself. Mm. And I go, well, there's the biggest problem in the world. Why? If you don't love yourself, how can anybody else love you? Somebody says they love you and you say, but I know I'm not lovable. You must have lousy quality control if you think you love me. Uh, and then we push people away and then nobody's there. And then we go, see, nobody's here. It Nobody loves it. It sort of confirms our, confirms our, our, our program. Uh, well, yeah. And I said, well, how come 80 and 90% of people do not love themselves? And the answer is this. In that first seven years, parents act like coaches of a sports team in raising their children. And I said, well, what does that mean? I go, a player on a sports team, an older player is not doing well. The coach doesn't go up, oh, please do better. No, the coach comes up and says, that's not good enough. Who do you think you are? You don't deserve to be on this team. Well, an older child is conscious and aware of, oh, the coach is saying that because I'm not doing well. I'm going to work harder. That would be the, the message. But parents don't recognize if the child is under seven and they say not good enough, not lovable enough, not deserving, whatever. A child under seven is not operating in consciousness. A child under, under seven is in theta recording. So I said, well, then what did the child walk away with? I'm not good enough. I'm not deserving. And I go, uh-oh. I say, why? Well, 95% of the person's life is going to come from that program. I have a program I'm not deserving. My mind's job, make coherence between the program and my reality. 95% of the day, it's taking over subconscious. It will sabotage me. So at the end of the day, it's like, yep, I guess I'm not deserving. I didn't get what I was thinking for. So I'm not deserving. Mm -hmm. I go, that was because the program was not deserving and you manifested it 95% of the day. So the issue is parents criticize the children in the hopes as a coach would criticize a team player that the <clears throat> player would make a change and do better. Parents do it with the idea, yeah, I'll say this to my kid and they'll do better. And I go, Push under seven. Nope. <laughs> it's not going to work. Well, that explains why I have the complex of not feeling good enough because I came from sports and I came from never being fast enough, never doing well enough. You know, you didn't tune the carburetor right. You didn't do that. And, and it was a whole bunch of, you know, not good enough because actually, oh. you know, it was like even the programming was like it wasn't a matter of being the fastest. It was being as fast as I could be, which meant that it was never enough, literally never fast enough, never good enough. And that's a, that's a, that's a rough programming. It's a rough program. And also, this is why, how could I get a relationship off the ground if my programming was, uh, uh, I'm not lovable. <laughs> there was yeah. no way to get it off the ground, but half the marriages in this, uh, in this planet, I say, how come they fail? And here's the cool part. When you meet somebody, red pill, you're not thinking anymore. You're manifesting. And I say, oh, when you first cook up with somebody new, who are you? Wishes and desires. That's my mind. Who I want to be, what I want. Oh, so two people come together manifesting wishes and desires? Heaven on earth. Okay. But there's a part where, remember I said, 
you stay mindful. You, you weren't thinking. But down the road, you start thinking. And then your partner comes in, asks you a very simple yeah. loving question, but you're now thinking. Mm. Your response is not coming from wishes, desires, creative mind. It's coming from habit mind. Right, because that's the one in control now, because the thinking is going in and it's distracting from the flow. And it's like the creative, the creative conscious mind is is the one that you want to use. But when it's shut down thinking, you go to the subconscious program. And then that would be like my father's behavior. And all of a sudden, sure. guess what? I sabotage people, but I didn't see it. Why? Yeah. Because I was thinking and whatever yeah. came out uh, was the problem. People, both partners in a relationship understood the nature of programs and separation of conscious and subconscious. Yeah. If a behavior, the blah, blah, blah behaviors comes up, uh, generally what it leads to is an argument between the one partner who experienced the other person doing blah, 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 and the one who did blah, 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 not even knowing they did that. <laughs> and then that leads to an argument and that doesn't work. But if both parties know there are subconscious programs, then it doesn't have to be an argument. It can yeah, be discussion. totally. Right. You can see them with compassion. You can. That's the point. Because if you do that, then we can move to let's rewrite the program. If it's an argument, there's no rewriting at this point. That's just boom, it exploded. Bad vibes, whatever. That's it. But if you knew that you had these programs, your partner knows you have the programs, and then you get into a discussion. You say, you want to change that program? I go, yeah. I go, then why is that relevant? Because if you clear out the disempowering negative programs and replace them with what? The wishes and desires that you had in your conscious mind and put those into the subconscious mind? Beautiful point, right? 95% of the day, you won't even have to be thinking about it. You will automatically be playing behaviors to manifest heaven on earth without yeah. you even thinking about it. And that's the cool part. It's not like turn my brain off. Can you just turn it off? So is the, would you say that that beginning part of a relationship, let's say, cause we've all probably, I'm sure I'm guessing everyone in this that's listening and we're watching has had an experience or multiple experiences of the initial phase of a relationship. When that initial phase comes, that love, is there anything about that? That's not accurate in its indication for its, alignment with you and if it's the right relationship or not meaning is that the most authentic period of the relationship or is <laughs> there some be. sort of disillusioned is there some kind of drug situation going on in your brain that makes you not see things clearly yeah because look, look at it this way you grew up in an abusive relationship okay abusive parents relating to each other and then you go and look for a relationship if it matches the pattern, then it's like, oh, yeah, this is what my program. I'm happy. I'm going to get abused. You know, it's not that they want that, but it fits the program. So they find someone mm -hmm. unconsciously who will fulfill that program of abuse. So they're sadists and they're masochists. Oh, they're perfectly matched. <laughs> they come together because they're going to satisfy each other's program. The question is this. Do you want to be in that program? If you're getting abused, there's a moment that says, do I have to do this? Most people in abusive relationships say, well, it's better than going out and not knowing anything. I'll accept the abuse. I go, oh my God, you know, mm -hmm. this is surrendering to what you don't want. Mm -hmm. Then, then you're, that's the character of your life. It's, you know, look, interesting point. Years ago, um, I would have been judged by psychiatrists as manic depressive. Why? 
Mm. Well, I'm happy most of the time. And then when something starts to go wrong, it would be a spiral. It would start to go wrong a little at the top and then it would get worse and then it gets worse. And then I'd get down and get damn depressing at some point. Cause like I'd be talking to myself, not good enough. Who do you think you are? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> One day I was caught into that and I was alone and I was in the lab and I was really messing up and I was getting, Oh, you're such an idiot. Blah, blah, blah. And I could feel this cause I know it, it could start. Okay. And I'm, mm -hmm. and here's the cool part. Well, I'm starting this all of a sudden, there's a voice, but there's nobody else in the room. I hear a voice. Uh, it's like out here. I go, and the voice says, don't you have anything better to do than to listen to that stuff? <laughs> and I stop for a second. I go, sure, I'd rather go see a movie than to go through this stuff. So I picked up a newspaper, picked out a movie, went to the movie. Guess what? No more depression. I, I, left, I left it behind. I shut off the story chose to do something I wanted to do rather than continue the story. The next time it started, a recall. I started to laugh because I remember the voice. Don't you have anything better to do? And of course I do. After several times, I never have been in depression since. Wow. Because the moment I would start, the new behavior was do something else. And so, hey, I'm not manic depressive. I'm just manic. <laughs> so what was that higher voice, though? Like, what was that Can, in your opinion? Yes. Okay, most important thing is because I came from science, which where we don't talk about spirituality, we talk about genes. Life right. is controlled by all this stuff. In my research, um, the research said, no, genes don't control life. Uh, it's really the uh, interpretation of the environment by the cell membrane. The cell membrane membrane is what con controls genes. And as I was going through all this research, I recognized something very critical. I said, I cannot put my cells into your body because your immune system would say, these are not self and get rid of it. You can't put your cells or organ into another person's body because their immune system will say not self and eliminate it. Well, the first thing you have to understand is, well, obviously, there must be some kind of self <laughs> that distinguishes us that our immune system can even recognize who we are. Yeah. And it's at the surface of the membrane. There are a set of protein antennas that stick off the surface, just like antennas in the old days, television antennas, okay? And there's a group of them. They're called self-receptors. Receptor means receiver. Self-receptor. Receiver of self. Well, in our conventional world, it, oh, it's the proteins that make you different. The, you have self-proteins. I go, no, no. The proteins are receivers of what? A signal. From where? The environment. <laughs> and I say, I receive a signal of my identity different than you receive because your cells are responding to a different broadcast. My cells respond to the Bruce show, okay? You have the Dana show. I go, why is this significant? I say, your receptors are tuned to a station, a broadcast, an energy field. Uh, and here's a very important point. In physics, the term energy is characterized as fields, okay? Energy fields. Yep. Well, the point about this is no two people are receiving through their receptors the same field. And I also then say, well, what's the definition of the field? This is going to make a point right here. Definition of the field invisible moving forces that influence the physical world. I go, oh, that's an interesting definition. You know why? What's the definition of spirit? Invisible moving forces that influence the physical world. I go, oh my God, quantum physics revealed to us 
We're not this. We're the broadcast of the field. The field is who we are that plays through this body. And I go, oh, my God. And I say, well, the first thing my whole life changed was this. I go, well, the body's like a television set and the broadcast, the Bruce show is playing on this TV right now. You're watching the Bruce show. I said, but what if you're watching a TV and it breaks? I say, TV's dead. I go, yep. Is the broadcast still there? The answer, of course, it's still there. Do you have another TV and plug it in? You could see the broadcast again. I go, oh, my God, we can't die. We can't die. We're not in here. We're not in here. We're the broadcast. A future embryo shows up with the same set of receptors that you have on your cell right now. You are back with a different TV. And here comes an important point. Doesn't have to be a male or female. I go, no, that's the TV set. How about white, brown, black, red, yellow? I go, no, that's a TV set. You're not the TV. You're the broadcast. And all of a sudden, I started to realize, oh, my God, I can't die. I'm not even in here. And then I had a joke with myself because my joke was, as a scientist, I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I asked myself a question, and this was the most profound question. I said to myself, because now I own the spirit as a field, okay? And it was no devotion. It was like, oh, yep. Field, that's it. I'm a field. I got it. Uh, and uh, then, so I asked myself this question right after I got into that. Oh, God. I uh, asked a question. Uh, the question is why have a body and a spirit? Why not just be the spirit? Mm. And this is when I found I had Jewish cells, Jewish comedian cells. I say, why? I asked the question, and the cells came back with a question. I asked, <laughs> why have both a body and a spirit? Why not just be the spirit? And 50 trillion cells welled up and asked me a question. Well, Bruce, if you're just a spirit, what does chocolate taste like? Now, if you think about it, it's the most profound thing I ever heard in my life because it was what reason? Well, chocolate is because of the cells that break down the vibrations of the food and, and all that and change it into energy. And the brain doesn't read chocolate. It reads vibration. Okay. What about sight? I get, oh, pictures, vibrations. Yeah. Smell, vibrations. The body translates your life experiences picked up by the body receptors. Smell, touch, pain, temperature, sound, uh, all these things are the result of a body analyzing the environment and changing it into vibration, which then sends it back to source. And I said, oh, my God. We came here in these bodies to experience life because our experiences are sent back to our eternal source. You have good experiences and your eternal source is in harmony and beautiful. If a life that gives you a lot of bad experiences, you can alter that source and that's called karma. You've changed your source by sending back signals that were not in harmony. Uh, and, and then we come back and we can correct it. We can come back and correct. That's the loop. Karma. That's the karmic loop is that you keep coming back. Do you see it? Do you see it? Do right. you see it? And if you get it right, you how fast does it take to clear up karma? Oh, right okay. away. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. you understand what the hell caused it. It's like, oh, well, then change what you're sending back to source. And that was the freedom moment. That was the moment that said, wait, I, I'm, I'm sending back my life experiences that I'm manifesting. If these experiences suck, I'm changing my field. And I don't want that. And all of a sudden, that was the point that said, then change your consciousness, because that's what's going to send back to the source. And changing consciousness, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. Why? 
They don't enhance my life. They don't hand, we do it, oh, well, we're socially programmed to do this. I mean, the first step, the first one was so small and irrelevant in one sense, but so powerful was I'm working on this going, oh my God, I, I've been programmed. And if I, if I follow the program, it's a good program, great. But if it's a bad program, I'm going downhill. Uh, and I remember I was in my office at the university and one of my faculty colleagues came in that day and said, okay, Bruce, what, what are you bringing to the faculty party on Saturday night? And I, I want to tell you, faculty party, might as well just kill yourself. You go there and everybody's sitting around with a drink, not talking to each other because they don't really like each other. When working this. Okay. And I thought about that and I thought, I work all damn week. Why should I go to a stupid faculty party and waste the entire time where I had freedom to create something I would love to do? So, I'm, you know, just came right out of my mouth. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize it was this weekend. I have other plans. I can't, oh, I can't, I can't go this weekend. I didn't have plans, but I just said that. And he looked at me like, you're not going to the faculty party? I go, no. And he walked out. And the moment he walked out, I went, oh, crap. I just got Saturday night for me. I can do what I want on Saturday night. And I started to say, what's next? And it what lined up. Next? What can I get rid of that I've been programmed that this is what we do socially, even though it takes away character, quality, joy out of life. And I started to eliminate them and say, wait, I'm creating this. I don't want to give up my creation because socially, this is what we should do. I said, I got my life, man. I want to live it. And I have been living a heaven on earth life ever since those days. Why? Well, with the help of my partner, Margaret, who I met at 50, so 40 is a kid's age, at 50, uh, uh, and she, she was quite aware of all the stuff that I talked about, we changed, we rewrote our programs. Beautiful. We've wow. been together, what, 26 years now? Oh, my God. A honeymoon oh. every day. I wake up. Hey, I'm still alive. I've got a great partner. We have a great life. I work every day. I wake up. It's like, wow, I'm still here. I'm enjoying every day that I can get. It's called the honeymoon effect forever. Wow. How do you do that? I say, get rid of the programs that took the joy away and replace them with programs that give you joy. Got it. Simple. That's the feedback loop. Just look at your feedback loop and go, does this give me joy? Does this not? And if it doesn't move forward, that's the test. Okay. I'm going to take us on a quick left turn here. Um, having studied genes and, 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 and really, you know, know a lot about that. Is there anything about our genetics that indicates that there has been extraterrestrial intervention at any point? Is there anything about our genes or our DNA that is out of sorts? Um, how did we get to this point evolutionarily, yeah. essentially leaping and bounding at times? Okay, let's try it. Let's put it this way. Let's say a, a light receiving cell in your eye can say the light is on or the light is off. That's all I can say. It's black or white. It's either or, okay? But let's say I have 10 cells that are going to record light. And five, or let's say six of them say, oh, the light is on, and four of them say the light is not on. Then I average them out, and guess what? I see gray. <laughs> what level of gray? Well, how much is white and how much is black? Uh, and so the more cells that are involved with making a decision, the greater the versatility of the response is going to be. 
so if I only have one cell, the light is on, the light is off. I got 10 cells. Oh, I got uh, white, black, and a whole gradient of gray in between. And so it turns out, who are we? Well, we started with simple cells of just that input, output, simple reflexes. But if you bring a whole lot of them together and they work in harmony, then they vote. And I say, oh, well, then you have now a whole versatile range of responses instead of just on off, let's say, okay? Uh, and I say, we start to acquire this awareness. The, the extraterrestrial, where's our spirit coming from? Where's that field coming from? It's not coming from just this planet. It's coming from the sun and the other planets. Mm -hmm. And then the concept, what about astrology? I go, it's astrophysiology. The fields around us are influencing our behavior. So the, the, the part that becomes very critical is, yeah, when the sun changes its energy or a planet, which is like a magnet, gets in front of the sun and focuses the energy differently, that's what magnets do, and planets are magnets, focusing and expanding energy, we are responding to that. Uh, and all of a sudden I said, well, then your identity is not here. Your identity is there, everywhere. You're here. You're connected to everything. And all of a sudden, then that gives you the versatility. I can do this or I can do that. But it's a choice. It's interesting in um, what's called esoteric astrology. Uh, it's astrology that recognizes before you can do a prediction on somebody, you have to read their level of consciousness. Go, what does that mean? The more, remember, did, uh, we talked about electrophysiology, yeah. reading the brain, and then magnetoencephalograph, where you can read your brain function out here, so your thoughts are going out into the field, shaping the world, okay? So your thoughts are not contained in your head. I can read them out here with, a, with magnetoencephalograph. You're like a tuning fork, okay? Yeah. And you can generate any vibration you want. You're a generator of vibration. Mm -hmm. And energy from an astrological point of view is an energy in the field. Yeah. What? I say, I can make an energy that will enhance the existing energy, but I can also make an energy that cancels an existing energy. I go, what does that mean? I said, then all of a sudden, with more consciousness, your astrology is not predictable anymore because I can cancel an energy field or I can take that field and make it work even more powerful uh, because it's called constructive destructive interference in physics where one energy field can alter another energy field and since we are broadcasting energy fields i am not a prisoner to environmental energy fields because i can send out an energy to cancel it or an energy to enhance it it's also called bad vibes good vibes yeah. <laughs> and i can control that and all of a sudden it says well yeah you're very powerful but you have to be conscious if you're unconscious, you're totally predictable by the astrology because the field is going to override your ability to, to deal with that field. And so it says, yeah, the less conscious you are, the more predictable you are. The more conscious you are, free will starts to step in, and then you can create what you want, regardless of what the field is saying. Wow. That's powerful. And all other organisms on this planet are a manifestation of the existing field. What day the swallows are going to go back to Capistrano? It's not up to the swallows. It's up to the field. What day the turtles are going to come out on the beach and hatch the eggs and all that? That's on the field. Uh, and, but when you get to humans, we have the ability to generate tuning fork, read the vibration out here, to generate energies that can enhance an existing field or energies that can cancel an existing field. And all of a sudden it says, oh, my God, 
you're not locked into the to the environment as every other organism is you have free will you mm. can change the field mm. so you're changing the field from the inside with your own biology but then you can change it on the outside as well based on what comes to you and i don't well, know you can change it on the outside because remember your thoughts are not contained in here they're like a broadcast mm -hmm. so whatever outside fields are coming in my inside fields going back out can uh, enhance or, or neutralize an existing field mm. what what do you think about when you when the news talks about artificial intelligence the metaverse <laughs> all of that stuff i that, laugh i that laugh shit out of you does it get you excited what do you what do you worry it irritates about? the hell out of me because i say why are you here and because we're creators do i need a, a machine to create for me no i say look i get feelings i have feelings when i'm in love uh, that's a great feeling. Can I be in love through a meta vision, uh, you know, on a, on a screen? I'm an icon on a screen. Oh, yeah, my icon loves your icon. I go, big F deal on that. Why? That's not, you're disconnected. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the idea was to be connected. The right. idea was to experience life. Conclusion of everything that I learned right up to here is this. We came here to experience life. That's what the body, spirit, the mind, you know, what I said about the spirit uh, and having a body. My, mm -hmm. my body uh, engages with my spirit, okay? Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm connected at that point. But I'm also, my spirit can direct my body. It could say, go here, go there, do this. So then my creative, not only am I sending information back to my field, my field is sending information to me to influence where I go and what I do. And I go, oh, my God. I stopped at that moment, and I started to laugh because I realized so many people think when you die, you go to a place called heaven. I go, you didn't understand. We were born into heaven. This is where we came to create. This is where we came to experience. If you lose the body and go out there, you have consciousness. That's really great. I'm not saying it's not. But here's the opportunity to what? To manifest, make something, do something, experience something. If you then decide, I'm going to do it metaverse, I go, well, then you wasted all these beautiful receptors that were designed to, to have those wonderful experiences, to manifest them for real. More powerful. They can it, do more. Earth is heaven. And yeah. yet for most people, it's hell. I go... Is it hell because you can't, you know, because it's the bad place? I say, no, it's hell because your program that you got took away your creativity and programmed you to be the victim in a world that you're actually creating. So as a victim, you can create a world of being a victim. And the idea is, yeah, but if you're a master, then you can create the world of being a master. You are a great example of it. Yeah, I, I, you did driving. Then you created uh, the wine, and then you had the cosmetics or the candles and all that other, you know, that, all that stuff. You, you took your mind and took it out and made creativity. What is heaven? That's what right. is it you want? What is heaven is a, is a definition of what you want. I said, do you have to die? to get what you want to say no matter of fact it's easier to get what you want when you're alive <laughs> because this is where you can do it so the big joke is everyone's thinking oh when i die i'm gonna go to heaven and i'm going jesus you whole missed the experience man it was here is where you created are you creating heaven or are you creating hell that was a creation 
uh, and the idea is if you own it, like you've done, like I've done, like the people that you've interviewed on your program, they have taken over ownership of their creation and they're creating the life that they want. And most other people are saying, oh, this is against me and my genes aren't good and this world and that, and I'm a victim. And I go, sorry, folks, you missed the opportunity to create. Next time you come back, you'll figure it out maybe. <laughs> Mic drop. I love that. That's my favorite line. I don't, I don't, I tell myself like on a regular basis, if there's a difficult thing, I say, I don't want to have to come back again to learn this lesson. I don't want to have to come all the way to 39 again to be in the same position. I'm going to learn the lesson this time. And That's I'm going to exactly. make it through. And you sent your lesson back because your consciousness is connected to the field and yeah. you're, you have an input field and the same field also takes the output. The one that sends you messages also receives the messages. So mm -hmm. you are creating your your karma. And I say, well, if you create it in a very positive way, then I look forward to coming back. Why? Because when I come back, I'm all set. <laughs> Maybe next time I won't have to learn so damn much and I can enjoy <laughs> this place even more. But I'm not giving up because once I started to learn to create and to enjoy, it doesn't mean everything I want happens, but it also means this. If it doesn't happen, I don't care either because I'll make something else. Mm. And the idea about it is Freedom. I, I, I love to wake up because when I'm awake, it's when I get to experience the, the joy of being alive. Most people wake up and go, oh, crap, I got to go to work. Oh, geez, I got to blah, blah. I go, well, what a way to wake up. Well, well, who wants to wake up with that? I Why not just wake up with, oh, my God, I'm still here. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's one of the ultimate barometers as to whether or not you have the life that you really want or not is do you want to wake up are you ready for the day yeah. are you excited about the day and if you're not maybe that's I'm going to tell you you know if I can get it in here very briefly yeah uh, there's there's something uh, at the end of the DNA strands of your chromosomes there's extra pieces of DNA they don't program anything. They're just like extra railroad track. I said, mm -hmm. why? I said, when you have a piece of DNA, well, let's use my arm as a piece of DNA, and I'm copying it, there's an enzyme like a train. And as it goes down the DNA, it leaves behind a copy of the existing DNA. Oh. But then when it gets to the end of the line, it can't copy the piece it's sitting on. So when this enzyme lets go, the new copy is only this big, okay, like that. And then next time it comes down, it uh -huh. can only go this far, so the new copy is this big. Every time you copy the DNA, what's called a telomere, that extra track gets shorter. And the point is, that's a degree of aging. The shorter your telomere, the more aging you do, okay? So originally they thought, oh, the telomere is a given length, you're born, and therefore your life is determined to go so long, and then you run out of the extra track. Because when you start copying later, if I cut off that extra track, the next copy is cutting into the gene. Oh, that's going to screw you up. So the extra track allows you to copy the DNA without interfering with the genes. And I go, so what? And I say, well, that, that's the amount of telomeres, that's your life. Uh, and uh, a woman, Elizabeth Blackburn, discovered an enzyme called telomerase. I say, what's that? It extends the telomeres. 
I said, oh, if it extends the telomeres, you get longer life. I go, yeah. And I go, though, what is it that activates this enzyme? And it's so important because it's activated by gratitude. It's activated by service. Meaning, if I have something to do, I'm taking care of somebody, I can't go. I have to be here. Okay, the enzyme makes longer telomere because you have something you're going to do. A retired person goes, I am finished. And the telomeres go, well, then fine. We don't have to make any more telomeres. That's when people retire, then they go downhill because they shut off. Gratitude is the one we said, when you wake up and you love this place, you are telling yourself, I want more. But if you wake up going, oh, crap, I got to go do this, and I got to, all this is happening, and this is negative, and I'd say, you're telling yourself, I don't want any more. And all of a sudden it says, our longevity is based on the joy and gratitude that we have, because that says, I want more. But it's also based on, are you doing something? If you're not doing anything, then you're really feedback saying, I'm done. I got more to do. And the system says, oh, you got nothing more to do. You don't need any more telomere. Boom, done, gone. That feels very fractal. It feels like like the conscious creator that you are is like creating your fractal nature and whether or not you continue or not. Your your choice of words is very important because fractals, uh, a lot of people don't know about them, but fractals are geometry. Uh, and the universe that we live in, the material world and everything we live in, is based not on the geometry we learned in school called Euclidean geometry, triangles and squares and cubes and spheres, all those things what we did. It's fractal geometry, and fractal geometry is a repetitive equation that repeats itself over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And the significance is, once you solve the equation, Uh, and you make it again, it it just takes the same story and makes it another level of it. So the idea is uh, a human is a fractal of a cell. Uh, A cell has all the behaviors that we have in a single cell. But if you put 50 trillion of them together, we didn't get any new behaviors, but we got more power in all the behaviors that we have. So a cell and a human, same functions, present in both. And humanity is a collection of humans as cells into a bigger structure. So if we understand how cells work, then you understand how humans work. If we understand how humans work, then you are understanding the principles of how humanity works. And this is where we're in a stage of learning right now that says, we better damn well learn because we're so out of harmony with the universe, we're destroying ourselves at this time. And the fractals are the beautiful part because principle in fractal, and this is it, as above, so below. The images repeat themselves at any level of the organization. If you understand how one level works, you automatically have fundamental information on how the other level works. If I know how a cell works, I know how a human works. If I know how a human works, then I know how a collection of humans work. Uh, And so fractals are important because they're the pattern that can get us out of the mess and into the future. Well, let's get along. Be in community. Let's have coherence. That's it. You know, uh, let me close with something because I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person, not a religious person. To me, religion is the business of spirit. Okay. So uh, I say, what does all this have have to do? And I say, well, I'm I'm not much of a Bible thumper. I don't really give a damn, to tell you the truth. But I want to close with this because it's so important. Apparently, the last words that Jesus said as in the crucif- crucifixion 
was, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Mm -hmm. I go, that is the principle that we should all be living by. And I go, why? Because 95% of a person's life is coming from the subconscious. They have no idea what the hell they're doing. And if you don't like this person because of their behavior and we get mad at them, I say, are you mad at them as a spiritual entity? Or are you mad at them as a program? I can say, okay, you got a lousy program. It doesn't mean I have to live with you. But I know that's not you. It's your program. So I can forgive you. But I don't have to be here and live with your program and the way it's working. And, and so the idea was, if people would forgive each other for the indiscretions that occur among them, by recognizing that was not the intention of the spiritual entity driving that person, that was the consequence of the program of that person. You want to, you know, blame the person for the program? They didn't even know they had the damn program. Yeah. So the thing that we really have to learn that will make peace in this world is. To forgive those people doesn't mean you have to live with them. If they want to change the program, then good, come back into the environment. <laughs> but but the idea about it is this: those were very critical words, but it applies to all of us. And it basically says, if we hold on to the grudges, the anger, all that you know, energy that's not in good health for us, then we're not we're not surviving or thriving. Yeah, we have to let go of that. The person wronged you. Do I hate them? No, I don't want to be with them, but I don't have to hate them. Here's a little side thing. There's so many side things. We can go on for hours, but a side thing is that people think love and hate are opposite. And I go, no, love and hate are strange, the same. I say, what do you mean they're the same? Because to hate somebody, you have to hold on to them. That's what hate, love, hold on to them. Hate, you still got to hold on to them because yes. if they're not there, you can't hate them. It's just so like they, needing. Needing is not having. That's it. And, and so it, it's the opposite of love is not hate, it's fear. Mm. Love brings you together, fear separates you. Yeah. And uh, we so, need to get uh, rid of a lot of that in our world. Yeah. And it's being broadcast 24 7 on your local news station. <laughs> God, I don't watch any of that. Bruce, you're brilliant. You're such a brilliant guy. No, I, I'm a lucky guy. I'm a lucky guy. I was at the right place at the right time. Uh, and I have to say, I have what now 27 years of living a life that I have programmed versus the one that was programmed for me. Yeah. I don't want to die. I'm loving this place way too much. So I'm going to stay healthy and young as long as I can. Keep those telomeres going. You're going to live to 140. I think you said that that's how long. 140 should be the average thing. And unfortunately, uh, most people don't recognize it. So why are we all dying young? Um, another sidebar uh, is that we eat too much food. Uh, and the issue is, what do you mean? I go, you digest food to get your energy. I go, digestion is burning food. I go, so what? I say, when you burn fuel, you get byproducts that are toxic. So don't breathe the exhaust out of your car. It's toxic. Wow. And I go, oh, when wow. you eat food, your byproducts are called free radicals. And these are charged ions that are like bullets that especially hit the nerve cells and kill nerve cells. And oh. so it turns out the more food we eat, the more self-destructive. Uh, Holy crap. Food. That's why fasting's making a huge run right now. Breatharians. Breatharian. Nassim was a breatharian for three years. What the... And the idea was because we always thought we get our energy from the food, and it turns out 10% of the energy comes from food. Wow. 10% comes from direct energy transformation 
in your body by something called melanin, the pigment granules in our skin, translate the energy of the environment into biological fuel in the same analogy as chlorophyll or chloroplast in a plant translates sun energy into biological energy. Melanin pigment granules translate environmental energy into uh, biological energy. That's why you don't need to eat so much. We can just. Well, I was going to go have lunch, but you know. All right, but that's for fun. That was the whole idea. Remember, I said the senses give us these pleasures. Intermittent fasting. We sort of that's, bridge the gap. You have just those of joy, and you stay, and then you give yourself a break. That's that was a really good. Those were some really good nuggets at the end. I yeah. really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. I thank, thank, you, thank you. you. Thank you so much for letting me be with you on this show. And, I'm so and, grateful. And I want to thank your audience because if there's going to be heaven on earth, it's it's up to all of us to work yeah. on ourselves. Yeah. Old hippie statement. You weren't there, but I can tell you. The old hippie, sta hippie statement is take care of your own backyard before you go out and save the world. Take care of your own life. Live the best you can because yeah. then you'll be a model mm. when you go outside that other people want to do like you did. Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.